Hi everyone, welcome to History Respond. I'm your host, Bob Whitaker. Today's episode focuses on Walden, a game, based on Henry David Thoreau's book of the same title. Beginning on July 4th, 1845, Walden, a game has players relive Thoreau's experiment with self-reliant living at Walden Pond. Players survive by foraging for berries, planting beans, collecting firewood, maintaining their cabin, and stitching their clothes. Simultaneously, players are also tasked with maintaining the life of the mind through walks in the wood, conversations with Emerson, correspondence with Thoreau's sister, Sophia, and reading of philosophical texts, including Plato's Republic and the Bhagavad Gita. As the developers of Walden write, the game is no simple survival sim, but an exploration of the mind and soul living in nature. With me to discuss Walden is the game's lead designer and director, Tracy Fullerton. Tracy is the director of the Joint USC Games Program and the director of the Games Innovation Lab at USC. Tracy's work on Walden was supported by multiple grants from the National Endowment for the Arts and the National Endowment for Humanities. Tracy, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So this game does a tremendous job of incorporating Thoreau's writing throughout the narrative, uh, either through collectible arrowheads or correspondences. There's obviously a lot of admiration for Thoreau's writing and Walden in particular. So I'm left wondering, what's behind your fascination with Thoreau and why make a game about this famous work? Well, so my fascination with Thoreau, uh, I think, was kindled by my father and uh, visits that we'd taken to New England uh, to visit family uh, over the course of growing up. And he always wanted us to read the books of um, authors uh, in areas wherever we went on vacation. So uh, I wound up reading Walden early and being influenced as a child, mostly with the adventure of it, with going to the woods and all of the different animals and uh, sort of nature that he described. Uh, but then later, of course, reading it again as a um, young person, um, as a college student, um, and being more attracted to the um, uh, the kind of activist and the crit, uh, uh, tendencies and the critiques of, of society. Um, and then, and then even later in life, reading it as an adult, having, um, you know, kind of dealt with that, uh, that need to balance our lives, right? So how much time do we spend working and how much time do we spend uh, doing things that enrich us? Um, and it was, you know, sort of around uh, that last period where I began to think of about making a, an interactive experience using the work. I had closed a company, um, you know, basically worked myself to death. And I was sitting on the shores of Walden Pond, rereading the book in situ, really, and thinking about how much it meant to me over the years. And I know that it's a difficult book for a lot of people to read, and it's forced on a lot of kids in high school. Uh, and I thought, maybe there was a way to make that experience that I had had over the years um, possible for so many other people uh, to let people live, you know, both the sort of adventurer side of it, the sort of I'm going off to the woods to live in nature, but also, um, you know, as you mentioned, the the life of the mind um, and really what it means to be a person connecting with nature and seeking the kind of inspiration that it can give to us. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned, you know, kind of going back to the book. Uh, it had been a while uh, since I had read any of Walden. And in fact, I have a, a modern library edition of the book that had a, a very fine layer of dust on the top of it when I took it down uh, in preparation for this interview. And uh, I've got to say, you know, it is a difficult book, I think, initially. But once you get into it, uh, it really flows pretty well. And I think that this game does a very good job of kind of uh, providing those little snippets of the narrative to kind of draw players into Thoreau's mind and into his writing. Yeah, I mean, he's a he is a funny writer, right? You know, he in one moment he'll be uh, digging sort of deeply into the um, you know the blooming data of a particular plant or the uh, the um, kind of discussing the whorls of a leaf and and how it's constructed. Um, and then in another moment, uh, almost uh, simultaneously, he'll sort of jump back to the 30,000 foot view and, and speak about how those patterns or, um, you know, that the that those pieces of nature that he's noticing are part of such a larger system and kind of wax uh, poetic about it. So, you know, he's, he's constantly doing this kind of um, micro macro shift um, and putting things into a, a kind of context, not only nature really, but his also his interactions with people and society, uh, using them as examples of a, a larger whole. I've, I've got to ask this question. I'm sure you get this all the time, but you know, the Thoreau Emerson, uh, the transcendentalist were kind of famously anti-technology and anti-inventions. And so I'm wondering, what do you think Thoreau would have made of seeing his work adapted as a video game? Well, I, I do get this question all the time, and I find it an interesting one, uh, because Thoreau himself actually was an inventor. Um, he invented a better kind of pencil. He worked in his father's pencil factory, and he invented a better way of um, forming the graphite. And um, we know that he applied for a patent. We don't know actually if he received it or not. Uh, but so to me, that's very interesting. And it's also, you know, of course, a scientist, and maybe an amateur scientist, but really uh, a, a scientist at heart. Uh, and I think that he may not have been a game player. And there were actually many things in our modern society that he would have probably found quite distasteful. Uh, but I think he'd be very curious about how we made the game, to be honest with you, mm. how it was constructed. Mm. Well, that leads me into my next question, um, and it has to do with the other historical documents that are scattered throughout this game. I mean, you, the game does such a good job of kind of centering on Thoreau's writing, uh, but you also have uh, anti-slavery pamphlets. Uh, you have notices about uh, famous historical figures, uh, including Nathaniel Hawthorne and William Lloyd Garrison. And I'm wondering if you could give us a sense uh, about what the historical research was like for this project and how did you go about determining what material to include and what to exclude? That's, that's a great question. So first of all, I should say, you know, the game took 10 years to, to make and uh, a lot of that, uh, especially early on and then even um, towards the end where we were focusing in on the storylines was uh, dedicated to uh, historical research and we had a lot of folks that we worked with and we had a lot of access that was um, really helpful to us. Um, specifically, uh, we worked with Jeff Kramer at the Thoreau Institute and I was, I sent, you know, Jeff a, a lot of our early builds of the game and then, um, 
all of the scripts and all of the um, materials to, 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 you know, basically say, are we on the right track here? But the, the choices that you're talking about, um, we always went back uh, to Thoreau himself. So if you look throughout the entire game, there are uh, these arrowhead moments you can find. There are these um, uh, pieces of uh, text that you uh, get when you kind of right-click on anything in the game. You find out sort of a quote from him. And so when we were trying to figure out what to put in the game, because you can't put everything, you can't make a, an entirely accurate representation of Walden and, and Concord circa 1845. Um, we almost, you know, it, it, our, our lens, we almost always said, well, if it's in the book or if it's in his writings, then um, that's something we want to include. Um, and if he wrote about it at length, for example, or seemed to have a very personal attachment to something, then we're going to include it. Um, when it comes to the historical pieces, it was slightly different because he doesn't, he makes allusion to some of these things, but he doesn't necessarily, um, go into detail in Walden, for example, about, uh, the abolitionist movement. Of course, we know that, uh, he was extremely sympathetic and, um, there are even a couple of occasions where he helped, uh, slaves, uh, uh, on the Underground Railroad, uh, there's not a lot on that, uh, but we wanted to include that context for players, right? We wanted to include that um, understanding of um, where he was in time. So uh, that was, you know, one of the reasons for uh, including the posters that you saw and the lectures by people by uh, William Lloyd Garrison, for example. And there is actually a whole quest line. Uh, with uh, between Bronson Alcott and Thoreau in the game, where yes. you can help slaves uh, on the Underground Railroad. Um, just a side note, just a personal side note. Uh, William Lloyd Garrison is actually a distant uh, uh, ancestor of mine, so uh, there was a little bit of uh, personal. Uh, it's a little bit of a per little personal Easter egg that that um, Garrison is actually in the game. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, you know, as somebody who spends a lot of time thinking about historical video games, you know, usually when you get one of these games, it kind of focuses uh, solely on the main character and, you know, with the absence of a lot of that context that you're talking about. But I think this game actually manages a pretty good balance uh, between those elements. Uh, it's a really rare achievement, especially... You know, when you think about uh, kind of the mass-produced uh, AAA uh, historical games, to get this amount of context uh, in a game that I think is a lot of fun to play at the same time is really special. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I wanted, you know, there are certain voices that were very important to me to get into the game, um, specifically Sophia, his sister, um, uh, because... You know, she was, they were very close, especially after they lost um, their brother, John. And uh, Henry and Sophia had a little bit of a competition about, you know, th who would know where certain plants were in the woods and things like that. And I wanted to get a little bit of that um, in there because Sophia actually is an interesting character. She was a, uh, a, you know, strongly intellectual woman. 
in a time when, uh, you know, there, there actually wasn't uh, a lot of uh, outlet for that kind of energy. She winds up uh, after Henry's death being the caretaker of all of his writings and is very much responsible for um, his legacy in a lot of ways. So I, so I find her to be, you know, an important voice, also a female voice. Um, you know, Thoreau lived in a family of very strong women. Um, and so it was important to me to get that kind of a, a strong female voice into the game. Also, Margaret Fuller, um, who was uh, uh, editor of The Dial, and I wanted to make sure that Margaret Fuller was, was in the piece as well. She provides a very interesting um, kind of biting early critique of Thoreau's work that um, as a player may sort of set you back thinking that, you know, uh, he's always getting praise from Emerson. And then here comes Margaret Fuller with a very, very insightful critique um, that, uh, that may give you a little pause. One of the things we did in the game was merge some of the timelines of his life, right? So we found a way to include events and from old letters um, and occurrences that happen both before and after his time at Walden. Um, and so to me, it was important to do that so that the game wasn't just about a guy living in the woods, right? That it would, that it could be about this man's life who his writings reflect the interests of someone with so many different passions, right? He was a surveyor. He was a writer. He was a naturalist. He was an activist. He, you know, he was a, a family member in a, a really interesting group of people, right? He was a, a both a, a mentee and a colleague of, of great minds. So there's all these facets of his life that wouldn't have been covered if we simply made a, we made a game about someone living alone in the woods, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, we've, we wanted to find a way to, um, and we created these old letter boxes, um, so, for example, you can kind of go through these old letters and see some of the things that, for example, sent him to the woods. And they're dated in the years past. Um, and as you, as you find them, you start to realize that a story is playing out that, has, that happened actually before he went. But you're learning about it over the, or, the arc of this year. And, and so, you know, one of the things we, we, we want to do and we struggled with with this notion of historical accuracy is how do you reveal something that's happened before during a present time in a game, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so there's this interesting thing that we, you know, this kind of, um, I'll just call it uh, a framing device we came up with, which is these, these old, old letters uh, between the people in his life that reveal those things over the over the course of the game's present. And I think it works really quite well because if you once you get to the deepest times of winter, um, those storylines start to reveal a, a much, I think, a much deeper understanding than most people have of Thoreau when they simply um, uh, read the book. Mm. I really like those letters as well, primarily because it mimics the work of archivists and historians. I mean, you know, when you're doing a biography or you're kind of trying to set up the context for someone's life, you're always looking at their correspondence, not only um, their own self-written correspondence, but also the correspondence surrounding them. And, you know, I really love the storyline with, um, 
kind of Thoreau's uh, courtship uh, in which so much of the letters uh, in that uh, story are written by people outside of Thoreau himself. And so you get such a a great idea, uh, not only of that narrative, but also of, you know, what is Thoreau like, you know, because we only hear, uh, you know, when he's out in the woods really from him. uh, But with these kind of, letters with these uh, collections, we get to see an outside perspective, which I think is is always really useful. Right. And that actually uh, speaks again to the historical accuracy. So so Ellen uh, Sewell, who was uh, the girl that both he and his brother proposed to and were both rejected by because they were transcendentalists, uh, remained good friends with Sophia, their sister. And so, you know, and, and correspond with her. Uh, so uh, that seemed to be an interesting way to, to show some of the, the pain that Henry had been through. Um, and of course, leading up to John's death, kind of that, you know, that arc of kind of hope and, and being rejected. And then, and then the sort of deep tragedy of losing his brother um, that, that sent him to a place where he might say something like, you know, and not when I came to die, realize that I had not lived, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in that, that begins to have another meaning once you understand that this is someone who's faced death, who's held his brother in his arms while he died. Mm-hmm. And to me, though, that it was important to bring that context into the game. Yeah. And I think the game does a very good job of, you know, kind of emerging that context for the player. I can remember one episode in particular where I had been reading old letters uh, in the Thoreau family house, and then I went to go check my mail, and there was an arrowhead uh, there, and it was a, uh, a short statement uh, by the mail clerk, uh, the post office, uh, stating, uh, oh, yeah, your, your sister got another letter uh, from Miss Sewell. We don't see her around here. Very often, it felt like a personal cut. Like you know, this this guy knows my personal details, knows all about my past, and is kind of reminding me of this terrible pain. And um, I took that very personally. I <laughs> you're sort of meant to if you're following along with the other um, storyline. That's Mr. Bartleby. He's one of the uh, made up characters, obviously. But Bartleby is uh, obviously of reference to Bartleby the Scrivener. Um, some people think that. Thoreau may have been at least partially a model for that character in uh, Melville's story. Mm, interesting. Uh, you'd mentioned uh, when we met at Games for Change uh, that you'd actually done some research on Thoreau's handwriting. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of one of those um, holy grail moments, right? So as you mentioned, there's a lot of Thoreau's writing in the game, and I had wanted to present that in his own handwriting. Uh, But as it turns out, and we had wonderful experience getting access to um, actually look at the handwritten drafts of Walden in the Huntington Library here in in Pasadena. But in looking through uh, his handwriting and really um, trying to come up with a 
font that could, you know, present the the words dynamically in the game um, using his using a font of his handwriting. We just realized it was horribly, you know, impossible. Uh, his writing is just, you know, he wrote super fast and uh, it's almost impossible to read. And th- there was just no way to make a legible experience out of that. And in fact, we wound up presenting um, the journal in the game. It's actually typewritten because um, we couldn't find anything that was even close to his handwriting that that was readable. <laughs> <laughs> so while other characters do have handwriting in the letters that they send to you, we were able to find really beautifully rendered um, historical handwriting that that we licensed for the game um, to use for other characters. Um, the the amount of text in the journal just made it uh, impossible to to do that in a in a font that even vaguely resembled Thoreau's. Yeah, uh, I'm sure uh, many archivists and historians listening to this can relate uh, to that problem. Oh, but I really wanted to do it. I tried so hard to do it, and I kept putting it in and then play testing it. And players were like, well. You keep showing me this book where I can't read anything that's in. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Um, so I've got a, a bit of a more specific gameplay uh, related question okay. for you. How did you determine the chores uh, that the players would engage in? Were those taken mostly from Thoreau's writing, his journals? Well, so you know, he he himself outlines the four basic necessities, right? So food, fuel, shelter, and clothing, right? And then if you, you know, kind of break those down, we actually did readings where we looked for what what was he eating? What was he using for, for fuel? You know, these kinds of things. As you mentioned, what clothes he was wearing, things like that. We, we found some things that were very clear. Like he says he picked up driftwood on the shore, right? And he also says that he borrowed an axe um, to not only chop firewood, but also uh, to help build his shelter. Um, so, so those things became, um, very clear. I, he also talks about lamp fuel, right? Things were less clear. Um, oh, and then of course he talks about beans, right? I mean, at length, there's whole chapters dedicated to growing of beans, right? Oh, believe um, me. I, I think I've collected all of the arrowheads on oh, really? beans. And the beans? I've got to say, I, I've never been so excited uh, in a game, at least this year, as I was when I walked up and I saw that my my beans were actually ready. All right, you, to you harvest. Got I was I was so excited, and then I was devastated because the next day there was the first frost. Oh, but did you pick your beans? I did pick my beans, but I didn't get all of them. Okay, uh, and because it it filled up, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna save these for later. And then no, they're all gone. Oh, and I no. was I was devastated. Actually, when you if you keep picking them, um, and it there is a book in Emerson's library that would teach you about this, but um, maybe you didn't find that one. But if you keep picking them after you filled your sort of food jars, you'll get money. So. Mm. That, I, I noticed. Yeah, I, I saw that book, and I, I knew that was coming. But then I thought, oh well, I'm just gonna keep it in the ground, so you know I could just replenish my food. I don't really care about money. I'm a transcendentalist, right? You know, I, I don't need this. And then uh, oh, I, I did realize that the plants the, would go away. The, so. it, and it was probably you were probably just on the verge of uh, winter. Yeah, the first yes. frost. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a sad moment when those beans wither and die. It is true. There are other sad moments in the game, though, things that get a little bit um, deeper and more, um, say, transcendental. Uh, uh, I don't know how far you played into it, but that winter lasts a long time, and a lot of things happen uh, during the winter. Um, 
during in all the storylines that that there are to follow. Uh, so it can get pretty uh, dark and 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 lonely. Mm, yeah. Well, speaking of dark and lonely, um, you know, given the current political situation in America, especially related to protesting, what lessons? do you think players can draw from Thoreau's life, uh, particularly with relation to his work as a sometimes abolitionist and also his writing on the necessity of civil disobedience? It's a wonderful question. And, you know, there's no way that we could have known starting this game 10 years ago that uh, it would be released in a year uh, with, you know, so many protests and uh, so uh, much critique uh, of our of our government. Uh, I think that you know when you say you you asked me before about what Thoreau would think about this game and about and and I sort of extrapolate to say what he would think about our time. You know he was not a joiner, but in the end he had to follow his conscience, and I think that he would say that we have to do the same today. You know, I mean, it's interesting because he didn't take a stand strongly against, for example, abolition, uh, uh, against against slavery um, early on. He waited. His mother, his sister, you know, his family actually um, made a stronger stand before he did. But then, you know, his writings critiquing the actions of the government, his time, his, his writings show that he had this, he had strong feelings, even as he was kind of standing on the sidelines a little bit. Uh, and then when he, when he jumped in, I think he really jumped in, uh, with commitment. And that's why his thoughts on, on the matter of sort of throwing ourselves into the machinery, uh, of government, um, if we see that it's going wrong, um, have come down to us to this day because he stated these beliefs so clearly. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think that he would probably be as, conf as confused as the rest of us right now with what's happening in our, in our, in our country. Uh, we certainly are as he was um, at a moment of huge divisiveness. Right. And that creates conflicts between people who thought that they agreed Right. Um, and I think that it creates questions about how we officially react, you know, and I can say, you know, and you, you're at a university as well. I know that we received a letter today, um, you know, stating in no uncertain terms the values of the university. Uh, and, I, you know, I find this to be an interesting time when uh, that's the email you wake up to on a on a Monday morning, a restatement sure. of values. Sure, my uh, my alma mater, the University of Texas, uh, just last night actually uh, pulled down uh, some of the remaining Confederate monuments that were uh, in the middle of the university in a, a place of prominence, uh, and it really, you know, I think playing this game. You know his context, which the game does so well to illustrate. You know the context of the Mexican-American War, the context of uh, you know tracking down fugitive slaves in the Underground Railroad. It feels so immediate, uh, and I think you know that moment where 
you go into town and you are uh, taken to prison, uh, you know, and you, you see on the bed, the prison bed, uh, you know, his tract on civil disobedience and, you know, how important that was uh, for him, right? Because there's, there's quotes at the beginning of the game where he talks about, I think, like you said, you know, standing on the sidelines, you know, staying at home, thinking that you're a Franklin or a Washington. Uh, and really, in fact, you're not, you're not either. Uh, so I think that was a really powerful moment to me. And, uh, I think it's kind of one of the things that uh, makes it easy to recommend this game. Yeah. That moment is a particularly strong one. And, uh, it's funny because it's always a surprise to people, just the way that it's set up. And we, we did that on purpose, obviously. Uh, but it's always sort of a shock to people that they, you know, they've been thrown in jail. We give them several warnings. And we give them a lot of hints about why they should or shouldn't pay their taxes, you know, or what Thoreau thought about paying his poll tax in support of, of, of this government. And then when you go, wind up, if you do, because it's not actually a given, um, but if you do wind up going to jail, uh, yet they're still surprised, right? And uh, there are posters in there, again, reminding you of the cause that um, that he was sort of the reasons why he was not paying those taxes. And, uh, and as you mentioned, civil disobedience. So it's, it's a, you know, to me, it was a really important thing to put in, uh, in the book and to also find a way to include that aspect of his life, even though Walden only has a couple of sentences about it, right? It, this, this part of the game becomes an interlude into um, a, a, another piece of writing. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Walden is currently available on PC and Mac on itch.io. If you're an educator or scholar interested in using Walden in your classroom, the Walden team can provide you with a complimentary license. For more details, go to waldengame.com forward slash educators. If you enjoyed this episode of History Respond, please consider supporting the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash history respond. Until next time, bye for now. Mm-hmm.